With the words sung for us still fresh on our minds, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Dear most glorious God, we feel you drawing near to us, and we long to know you more. Be with us today as we search for meaning in Advent. Prepare our hearts and our minds during the next month in order to live our lives like Jesus. Open us today so that we are not closed tomorrow to what still needs to be done in this world. Let all we do be done for you in a prayerful manner. In your name we pray, amen. There are a few things um, that I just want to go over before I start the sermon. First is that listed in your bulletin is the title for today's sermon, It Feels Like Christmas. And I look forward to preaching that sermon one day. <laughs> However, today is not that day. Um, during the sermon process, my focus transformed um, appropriately enough during the Advent season. And I would now like to call my sermon a truly prayerful act. Secondly, if you can't tell, I lost my voice on Wednesday, and it hasn't quite fully recovered, so hopefully no coughing spells will suddenly become part of the message today. And lastly, if you um, already had the opportunity to read the blog that I wrote for this sermon, the first part of the sermon will sound a little familiar. Folks, we are officially in the Christmas season. We've made it past Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, and tomorrow is Cyber Monday. It is now the socially acceptable time to play your favorite Christmas movies and to blast your favorite seasonal tunes. For some of you, that might be Handel's Messiah, um, Bing Crosby for others. In sync's Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays for me. I have no shame. Except we're not actually in the Christmas season. We're in the season just prior to that, the season known as Advent. And Advent is a time of waiting, of longing, of anticipation for what is to come. It's a time of the year for us to see God anew in unexpected ways, which is why Jesus' birth is the perfect staging for Advent. I mean, can you imagine the anticipation that Mary felt while carrying Jesus? Not only is she a virgin mother who has been impregnated by the Holy Spirit, in addition to knowing that her child is the savior of God's people, but she's 14. 14. The level of her inevitable freakouts must have been astronomical. I mean, how do you prepare for that? Um, hey, Joseph, do you think we should burp the Messiah differently? The amount of times I would have demanded for Gabriel to get his butt back down here immediately and give me further instructions. And did I mention she was only 14? Nine years ago is when I was 14. I was a freshman in high school, and I tried to picture myself pregnant as a freshman in high school, and the first image that came to mind was me dancing and singing as a scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz with a baby scarecrow painted on my costume over my expanded belly. 
was quite the visual. But Mary wasn't in high school. We aren't told of family supporting her by having her and Joseph live with them until they could afford their own place. There's no mentions of friends throwing her a surprise baby shower complete with a diaper tower and baby blanket. And worst of all, Mary has no access to the most glorious technological advancement that is Google. The expectation to deliver on this must have been unbelievable. Yet despite all of that, during her visit to her cousin Elizabeth, she is beaming with exuberance. She is bursting at the seams with joy for God. The scriptures show no concern or embarrassment for her situation. In fact, it's the exact opposite. She is overjoyed. She's like a kid on Christmas morning. And I'm sure that's a feeling all of us can relate to. And actually, it's pretty fun to realize that Mary was the first child to experience that Christmas morning elation. But her gift was Jesus. And Jesus isn't just Mary's gift. He's our gift as well. And I think Mary knew that from the start. Mary had been told that her son would be the savior of mankind. And even though I wouldn't know, something tells me that Mary's motherly intuition was well intact. And she understood the road before her son was not going to be an easy one. Not only did Mary recognize that her pregnancy was a miracle and a blessing from God, but she also recognized that her beloved Christmas present was a gift for all of humanity that includes each and every one of us here today. And that's crazy for me to think about. Mary, over 2,000 years ago, at age 14, likely knew that the child growing inside of her was going to be a gift to you and me today. In my opinion, Mary is extremely generous. She has been blessed with this incredible gift and she simply doesn't say, thanks God, thanks for my lovely present. She willingly gives her son back to God and furthermore, over to me and you. And not only is she generous with her child, but she is generous in prayer. Now typically prayer is thought of as an individual communicating with God for any intended purpose. But in this situation, Mary isn't alone. Mary is praying to God with Elizabeth present. So in this case, prayer is a communal act. But there's something else about Mary's interaction with Elizabeth that really strikes me. It is the words that are exchanged between Elizabeth and Mary that spark the Magnificat. Mary's spoken prayer is the result of Mary receiving faith-filled words from her cousin, and I think that demonstrates a nuance about prayer. Prayer doesn't have to be communication simply between a person and God, between a people and God. I think prayer can be communication between anyone and anything. As long as our hearts and our intentions are in the right place with God as our cornerstone, any interaction 
can be an act of prayer. And to me, that's what Mary's Magnificat truly is. It is a prayerful interaction between two women of faith, both of whom are pregnant and are fully relying on God in their lives for support and guidance and love, both of whom are living out their faiths in a very public manner. And through that prayer together, that interaction together, comes Mary's praise. Mary shows us that prayer can be a joyous, outlandish, grandiose expression. It is not to be contained and it is not to be kept to ourselves. I already noted how Mary is aware that Jesus is also a gift to us. And it reigns true to me that Mary's gift is likewise an act of prayer with us. Her generosity of giving back her son to the world created a relationship between us and Christ, between us and her. Her Magnificat was not only for herself, nor was it just for Elizabeth. Her song of praise was not just for Jesus, nor was it only for God. Her song was for each and every one of us here today. And the message that is contained within her song speaks to this point. The content of Mary's prayer is actually quite radical and socially justice charged. It praises God for the uplifting of the poor and sending the rich away. It speaks of the mighty being cast down and those who are humbled rising up. It is clear to me that Mary's understanding of God was the restoration of what humans had wrongfully let become unbalanced. It's a revolutionary call to action, is what it is. In fact, when India was under British authority, the Magnificat was forbidden to be spoken in public because it incited too much passion, too much rebellious spirit. It is such a powerful message of God's transformative love and hope that it can overcome the evils in this world that we have let pervade and thrive. And Advent is the perfect time to begin that transformation. Mary's prayer is a message of Advent because Advent is the season of looking forward not back, of turning our attention to what is yet to come, what will change lives, what will restore goodness in the world. Advent calls for us to let go of what has pained us in the past, what has prevented us from emulating Christ, what has clouded our ability to see injustices and then allowed them to remain so with our contentness what has kept our hearts distanced from human beings who are suffering day in and day out, suffering because they live in a war zone and their daily reality has become bomb raids, just like bullet noises have become background noise. Suffering because they can't afford the amount of food it takes to keep their children alive. Suffering because they live in a system that has failed them and continues to fail them based on the color of their skin, suffering because they were born the wrong gender, 
but take to Mary's prayer. God has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. God has filled the hungry with good things and the rich God has sent away. Now, I don't understand this to be an invitation to merely gawk at the mighty power of God, to revere God's awesome strength as if it is something distant from us. I read it as an invitation to fulfill Mary's words as God would have us do. What are we waiting for? Are we waiting to denounce those who are mighty on their thrones and exalt those who are lowly? Are we waiting for violence and war to cease, for poverty and hunger to stop claiming lives, for racism and sexism to be eradicated? Are we waiting for the world to change? Or are we waiting in order to change the world? The first sentence has the implication that if we just wait long enough, our time will come when we can make everything better and fix things. But Advent invites us to use waiting as an agent of that change to let our waiting, our anticipation, our longing for things to come guide our actions. Those of us in this room, and there might be some, are able to afford, both monetarily and otherwise, to wait for the world to change. But our brothers and our sisters living outdoors, they can't wait. Our friend who is trapped in a domestic violence situation, she can't wait. For our neighbors receiving police brutality and facing the threat of death by firearms daily, they cannot wait. We have the luxury of having our lives be remarkably untouched by all the injustices that exist in our world. But for those who don't have that luxury, their existence is comprised of anticipating a better life. It is the generosity of Christians like us that can make a difference in the lives of others this Advent and well beyond this Advent, for that matter. And generosity doesn't have to be money, but that certainly is one way to be generous. I'd like to offer that being generous with prayer is a method worth trying this Advent season as we prepare for the changing of our world that is to come in December. If prayer doesn't have to be limited to dialogue with God expressly, then perhaps there are no true limitations to prayer. And that whenever our actions have God at their core, it is a prayerful action. Mary's song of praise is prayer, an exclamation of the wonders bestowed upon her, but it is also a call to action. It is a cry for the protector of the meek and the humble to restore balance and stand up for justice. So pray, my friends. Yes, in the traditional understanding of communicating with God, but communicate with one another as well. Invite someone without a family to your holiday dinners this year. Donate coats 
to your local homeless shelter, get to know someone and find a need of theirs and fulfill it. Let God's transformative love change you and make you anew as you help to change our world. It is our Christian task to love one another as we love ourselves. That is a truly prayerful act. So pray, my friends. Anticipate the world as you want it to be. Long for it. Expect it. Prepare for it. And make it be so. Pray, my friends. Pray. Amen.